I want to talk to you about training for raining, like I said earlier, if you caught that. Um, you and I were made to carry responsibility. Genesis 1 says that we're made to reign. That means be responsible. It's not throwing your weight around. It's caring. It's nurturing. We're supposed to nurture each other, nurture our families, nurture this planet, nurture nations into something of the kingdom of God. And what's happened in this last year, uh, as I've said before, so a little bit of a preamble, uh, we've been through just the weirdest year, right, with with uh, uh, governments almost uh, and, and the responses to what's happening around the world, the feeling on the individual that it will have is that it can steal your story, the narrative of your life from you as people uh, take control um, uh, in certain ways, whether that's being put on furlough or other things like that. Um, but here's the thing, we're not victims, we're victors. We are designed to work best when we carry responsibility and have a sense that we are under God's rulership, living this life with God and in his blessing. So I want to encourage you, take your narrative back, take your story back. The government doesn't own it. Your employer doesn't own it. God birthed you for a destiny. And what I want to do today is, is help you to be emotionally strong in the living of that destiny. Because as I began training for reigning part one and, and then on into part two, as you go back through the podcast or through the broadcast, you'll see them. Uh, I talked about the fact that we're born to reign, but who knows, being born again doesn't make you emotionally stable, certainly doesn't make you emotionally mature, doesn't make you socially adept or capable. These are learned things. And, and we all know non-Christians that do it better than Christians because it's actually just life. We're all going, the, 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 it's going to rain and shine on both the righteous and the wicked. We're all learning to grow in the things uh, of God and, and grow into hopefully some semblance of a, of a good humanity that will, will do some good on the planet. Uh, so having a savior doesn't automatically do that, but it should draw you into a relationship where you're wanting to grow in your stability. So here we are right now. Let's kick into the new stuff. Here we are in this blizzard of a world. You ever been in a blizzard when it's when it's so thick, you can't see your hand in front of you or in fog or in, I remember once being in South Africa, driving from Johannesburg, we just landed and got a got a, a, a minibus and we were driving down to near Durban and just the thickest rainstorm I've ever seen in my life. You couldn't see beyond the bonnet of the vehicle that we were in. And, and every now and then lightning would strike the road, the road and bounce along the road. It was just incredible. Um, well, we're in a blizzard, a storm of information right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you, know, you know, we're, we're getting, getting stuff, stuff from, from the, uh, as the, the echo, echo come back. back. So I'm, I'm just, just hearing, hearing myself. myself. Um, um, we're, we're getting uh, information uh, thrown at us from the government. You know, can we believe press briefings? Briefings? Can we believe guys in Hawaiian shirts on YouTube and stuff like that? What should we, what should we believe? Um, because we're in a blizzard of information. Well, let me tell you a, a little story kind of going back. Years ago, farmers in America in, in thick blizzards that used to come down, some of them would get completely lost because you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And so what they would do is they would, they would tie a rope from the, the, the door of their house to the door of the barn so that they could navigate their way to the barn and then back to the home. Those that didn't do that, some would die within feet of their own front door because they didn't realize they were so close to shelter. 
The reality is today we need to tie some anchor ropes to some solid stuff that we know is not going to move and is going to get us through the blizzard of information that's going on around the world right now. Um, uh, uh, we, we are being thrown all sorts of stuff, aren't we? If you're someone who watches the headlines, if you're, if you're like me, I love to read, I love politics, I love news, I love all this stuff, but boy, it's really hard to know who to believe and what's really going on, isn't it? As things around the world are politicized, politicized and everything seems more divisive than ever. We need to find some anchor points that we can hold on to, to get us through the blizzard to safety. And so what I want to do in this age of disinformation and misinformation, wrong information, and who knows, there's right information among it all too. I want to give you several anchor points that are going to lead you through to safety and stability in God, in the hope that this will help us to be emotionally strong, stable rulers and leaders, people that are subduing the world, not with, not with, with, our, with our instability or our issues or our insecurity, but we're subduing the world with kindness. That's what God means when he puts us into a place of rulership. So let me give you three things that are going to help you to, uh, anchor to God in this time. The first word I want you to remember is the word sight. God wants us to use our sight properly. There's a scripture, uh, Matthew 6, and it's verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. It's in red in my Bible. And it says this, the eye, catch this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here it's saying, and it says in other parts um, uh, of the Gospels, your eyes are like a lamp that shines into you. Do you remember the portion where he says you wouldn't take a lamp and stick it in a bucket or under a table? You put it high on a pedestal, right? Our eyes shine into us. So what we look at and what we focus on, and literally this, our perspective forms us. So it's so important in this time, if you want to stay anchored into God and stable, that you know exactly what your eyes are looking at, because perspective is going to give you a foundation that is strong in this time. It's so important that we take control of our eyes, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our focus, and literally the eyes in our head. Vicky has been doing wonderful devotions, little devotionals, little videos, uh, uh, five days a week. And she did one the other day on fear. And the, is it an, an acronym you say? Uh, uh, fear, false evidence appearing real. Do you know that false evidence appearing real can stir stress and fear and anxiety in you when you read certain headlines, we've got to remember headlines in the papers, headlines on our TVs are designed to catch our attention, designed to get us a little bit addicted to coming back to their channel because the higher the viewers, the more they can sell advertising space. Do you realize in modern day media, we are the product. Our attention is the product that everything, even news channels are selling to advertisers. 
They want your attention. But as far as I'm concerned, if we give them our attention, even someone like me that loves to read the news, if I give it too much, then my the lamp of my eyes ends up in the dark places of lies and fear and anxiety and misinformation. It's a blizzard. And I'm not clever enough to know what's right and what's wrong, really. I've got a feeling half the politics, well, more than half the politicians don't know. And, and even lots of the scientists are disagreeing with each other. Listen, Christian, we need to get our eyes up into God's presence up onto God's word that never fails and never changes, up onto the prophecies about our lives that are going to come true no matter what happens if we're faithful to walk with him and to fulfill any conditions that he puts in place. We've got to remember that our lives are not here to be stolen by American elections or, 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 or plagues in the world. We are in God's hands. And so we've got to get our sight right and not give our attention to false information. If you want the truest information ever, come on, look at God's word. It will keep you locked into God's purpose for your life. Think of it in Jesus' day. Jesus turns up to uh, uh, an Israel that is occupied by Rome, a, a bloodthirsty regime, a cruel regime. And uh, Jesus could have easily come in and decided, you know, this this Roman occupation, think of it, if your country was occupied by another nation, foreign troops walked your streets and forced you to do certain things, it would get right under your skin. No wonder it would steal our attention. It would take our focus. The lamp of our attention would be placed in there. We got to get rid of these Romans. Jesus turned up and he, he did not allow the lamp of his focus to focus on the Romans. He focused on his father's purpose. Remember, and he, he was the one that was asleep in the bow of the boat, head on a pillow in perfect peace while everyone else is worrying about what's going on around. Do you know, perspective is a choice. Focus is a choice. Jesus wasn't distracted by the Roman occupation. He wasn't distracted by politics. He wasn't distracted by the, um, by, by the religious uh, zealots of the day. He was laser focused on his relationship with his father. He was laser focused on what God was saying to him. And he was there, he was on the earth to do God's will. And you're exactly the same. Get your focus on God's word, not on the headlines. The headlines, have you noticed, they'll only trumpet blast when cases go up. They don't mention that, well, now they're soaring down. They're out to catch your attention. And while we're grateful for the media in some ways, we know that also it can be a great blizzard of misinformation. Certainly it will stress things that aren't really as important as they make out. It seems as though there's only two or three stories in the world right now, but there are all sorts of things going on around the world, aren't they? Good, bad, and ugly. And we need to, as always, focus our lives on Jesus. I wonder what Jesus would say about this day that we're in. I've got a feeling if we met Jesus right now, he would just look in your eyes with the peace of his father in his heart. And he'd just say, don't worry, it'll be over soon. <laughs> I wonder what he'd say about the American election. I think he might turn around and go, I've got some better things to do. Let's stay focused on the important things. Your sight, your focus is an anchor into heaven. So let's stay focused on God. Here's the second thing. 
And this is an unusual one. I don't think I've ever preached about this fully in Revive. It is radical. It is it is basic, but doesn't get mentioned a lot. And actually, I think lots of modern Western Christians don't go near this. But I, I want to give you God's primary way of dealing with stress. And it comes right from the very beginning of the Bible, and it tracks all the way through the pages of scriptures. It's in the Ten Commandments, but most modern Christians do not practice this one thing that God said to do. And it will deal stress with a, a, a head blow. It is a, a powerful way of dealing with stress. One of the primary ways, okay, sorry, I'm just getting a message in the background. One of the primary ways to deal with stress, to think about it, Genesis 1, God made the earth, right? Six days is the way that he expresses it to us. So he, he made the earth in those six days. And then on the seventh day, listen to the wording from Genesis. It said, and God blessed the seventh day and called it holy. Think of this. The first thing that God made holy in all the Bible was a day, a 24-hour period made holy. That literally means set apart. And he created what we now call the Sabbath. The concept of one day a week, we cease. Sabbath literally means to cease. One day a week from the very beginning of the Bible, it's pre-law, so it didn't end when Jesus dealt with the law or fulfilled the law in the New Testament. Even Jesus kept the Sabbath. He made some radical adjustments. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Sabbath, modern-day Western Christian, was something instigated by God as holy and good. And I wonder, do we practice it at all today? Do we have a concept of what Sabbath really is? Ah, but it's just old fashioned, you say. Yeah, I remember growing up in the 70s when the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, you know, we'd shifted it from Saturday when the Jews have it to Sunday when the Christians supposedly have it. But we'd made it a day where it's just the day you don't go to the cinema or don't go to a nice restaurant. We turned it pretty much like the Jews into slightly perhaps more of a miserable day than a fun day. But Jesus came along saying, look, you got it all wrong. Um, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath, listen to this phrase, this is your savior talking about a 24 hour period in time that has been instigated since creation to keep you healthy. Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man. My question today is, have you accepted God's gift of Sabbath? Do you know what it is? Have you thought about it? Have you practiced it? Have you, I, it's really hard. Vicky and I have been really developing this theme over the whole year. It's really unusual to start to get your head around this Sabbath thing because I realize I can't just ignore the concept of Sabbath. Maybe it is a powerful way to deal with stress. Think about it. It was one of the Ten Commandments. So people go, ah, but it's old fashioned. It's just, you know, old fashioned stuff. And, you know, you, you, you're not supposed to have fun. You're just supposed to think about God for a day. And so we kind of stop doing that. And essentially, most of us in different ways tend to work seven days a week because on our day off, we clean the house, we sort out our accounts, we check our private emails, you know, we, we, we do our DIY and stuff like that. Um, uh, but listen, it's there in the Ten Commandments. So if you were saying that all that counts to us now as New Testament believers are nine of the commandments, or maybe which other ones are you going to say we don't have to keep anymore? Is it, is it the lying or the stealing or the murdering or the adultery? Are they all okay? But Jesus lists the concept of a weekly rest, a weekly ceasing 
as a powerful part of the top 10 ways humanity is designed to live. And I put to you that most Christians today don't even think about it. But it was there in the Ten Commandments, punishable by death. It was there. It 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 it, it preceded the Ten Commandments because it's there right in the book of Genesis. The first thing God taught man to do was cease. It deals with idolatry. It deals with our, our covetousness to have more. It deals with our drive to constantly try to find fulfillment and be busy. It is, it is an act of, of incredible, crazy worship to stop and not work for a day. Now, um, the Bible also says six days you shall labor, but you must observe the Sabbath. You've got to have 24 hours off to cease. And I, you've got to work out your own way to do this, right? I'm not saying it needs to be a Saturday or it needs to be a Sunday, but I'm putting to you that God is designed to the very makeup of the word of God. Your need for 24 hours of ceasing every week, however you do it, you need to cease. Some would say, yeah, but it was supposed to be in a general Sabbath rest. Well, a little bit like people that say, I never have a prayer time. I just pray with God through my life. We all know that's fakery and doesn't really work. It's, it generally is someone who's not very close to God. The only way to stay close to God through your life 24 hours a day is to actually have those moments where you go deep with God. And the only way to get your heart to accept continual Sabbath rest as an internal state is if you go deep into ceasing and reflection and hanging out with God every single week, 24 hours, you give to God. Um, so it's a huge challenge, isn't it? I guarantee a summer like, oh, I don't even know if I could do that. Vicky and I have started to change our life because let me tell you how we would live. We'd, we'd work six days a week, but then we'd also on the seventh day, whenever that day happened to fall, because I'm not being particular about the day of the week, I hope you catch that, um, we, would, we, we would still clean the house or fix the car or, 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 or wash the car or do our accounts. There's things that you just do. But the Bible says, and, and catch this, this is God talking, six days you shall labor, and I want you to completely cease from working, striving, trying to accumulate for a day a week, and it will do you the world of good. Uh, so we started to instead package the cleaning of the house, the fixing of the car, the DIY, the accounts, the private emails. Uh, sometimes, this is my latest challenge. I don't know where my phone is now. I was reaching for it. Oh, it's over there. I can't reach it. You know, the latest challenge at the moment is, should we start to just put our phones away for 24 hours a week, put them in a drawer, not do social media, not pick up a phone, we need to somehow take control of the blizzard of modern living and take our peace back. You know, Psalm 23, he makes us lie down by still waters, right? He restores our soul. The Sabbath was meant to be restorative for us. It does several things. I've got a little list here. Here we go. This is what the Sabbath is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring you rest, delight, contemplation and restoration and boy do our souls need that you need 24 hours every week just to say i'm ceasing i'm even ceasing from the thought of work i've read so many books on sabbath so many people have <clears throat> been prophesying about sabbath around the world this year as we reset our lives as christians to go so are you living god's way truly that you cease from 
even the thought of work for a day and just enjoy God. Many of us have lost the ability to live in the moment with God. We're always hankering, which is another word for coveting. We're always, I wish I had more. When the Sabbath was created to enjoy what we have now, the food in the cupboard now, the size or type of our house now, our family now, and just go, thank you, God, for what I've got. And just celebrate God. Now, it's not supposed to be a miserable day. Vicky and I, we do something that we've picked up from other people called pleasure stacking. We list all the stuff we love to do. Eat out. Okay, you can't do that under lockdown. So eat in, eat out, chill, go on a date, go for a walk in the countryside, watch a great movie, go bowling, whatever gives you pleasure, do it with God for a day and enjoy his presence as you do. And you will find your soul begins to transform as you learn to, you train your soul, you wean it, you train it to be still. And you learn to start hearing the sound of your own soul again. There's something powerful about the Sabbath. If you go back way to the Wild West, when the wagon trains were heading through the mountains in those early years, there was a, 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 a wagon train heading from St. Louis to Oregon. And there was this big community all heading together. And they were heading through the autumn. But as, as winter began to approach, so snow would start to come in, there was a dispute among the community. And some were saying, no, because this community had been keeping the Sabbath. They travel for six, then rest for one, then travel for six and rest for one. Um, and there was a dispute in the whole community saying, no, we, the, the, the snows are coming soon. We need to start to travel every day so we get to Oregon before the snows come in. And the, the dispute split the group in two, some that wanted to keep the Sabbath and wanted, some that just wanted to go every day. So they got there before the winter snows. Can you guess which group got to Oregon first? Those that kept the Sabbath. Because the replenishment that the Sabbath gave them and their animals and horses and wagons and children just enabled them to do six days so much better than seven days ever could. You need replenishment. How many problems will be solved simply by going back to doing what the Ten Commandments say and what Genesis 1 right at the beginning says and what Jesus said he's given you the gift of a day off a week, a day to rest, have fun, be with him, not to be religious about it and cranky about it or even to particularly say what day of the week it is, but to recognize I need a day for my soul to recalibrate every seven days. You need it and you'll get there quicker if you do it. Many of us have lost what it is to live in the moment and hear our own souls and just enjoy every moment. I've been so driven so many times in my life, so busy, so multitasking, so rushing from thing to thing. I've lost the ability to just sit here right now and go, I just love sitting here. I'm sat here in my studio talking to 144 of you online and just going, this. This is, this is all right. We're here with God. I read a book about one guy that was learning to practice Sabbath and he realized he got it when he went into the, the toilets, the restroom in a McDonald's and as he, he'd been to the loo and he was just washing his hands at the basin in McDonald's. And as he washed his hands and he felt the warm water go over his hands and he just thought, ah, oh, it's just a lovely feeling just to be in this 
How can you have a moment with God in a McDonald's restroom? He calmed his life right down from rushing and wasn't rushing to get out as quick as possible, but instead was like, wow, I do love the feeling of warm water running over my hands. If you've lost the ability to fully enjoy a moment with your children, a moment around a meal table, a moment just walking through the country, then your soul needs a bit of repair. It needs to do something that God's been saying to me a lot this year. It needs to slow right down. And Sabbath helps train our souls to do that, to get rid of the hankering and the rushing and to find God again. It's what we need to do. Uh, Pete Gregg, the great 24-7 prayer leader that has sparked a move of prayer around the world in the last 20 years. He tells the story of a, he was out for a walk in the country with God and he was giving God his long list of things that he needed to pray about and things that he wanted done and things that he wanted to help on. And he was he was arrested by God as God just said, look at that tree. And he just looked up in the country and he just saw this tree and he looked at it and he thought he was having a moment like Jeremiah, you know, what do you see kind of thing. And he looks at this tree and he's like, okay, yes, I, I can see the tree, God. What, what do you want to what do you want to say? And God said, look at the tree. So he, he looks at the tree a bit more. And then, yes, God, what, what about the tree? You know, is it, are we about to branch off into new areas of ministry? Are we about to have a new kind of fruitfulness? What is it that you're saying to me? Look at the tree. He looks at the tree. And then God finally says, I just thought it was a really cool tree. <laughs> you know, God just sometimes wants to walk with us in the cool of the day and says, slow down. And Sabbath is the gift. It helps you find that. I would even go so far to say if we can't keep some kind of Sabbath, something's wrong with our life. Perhaps we're hankering a bit too much. And yeah, Sabbath's going to be chaotic with kids in the house. That's half the fun. I know people that literally the kids join in and all cooking in the kitchen on the Sabbath. And they some some modern day believers even light candles like Jews. Just to remind us, this day is a different day. We put our phones away. We put our emails away. We put our social media away. Now, you might want social media to stay connected if you're on your own. But, you know, so it's different for everyone. There is no law to this. Sabbath is a gift to you. It's not something that you have to serve. It is a gift that serves you. God says, just like with tithing, I will bless 90% so you'll have so much more on 90 than you ever had on 100. God says to us, if you trust me and worship me by resting once a week, 24 hours of just, oh. and in our house, we start six o'clock in the evening, Friday night, and we go, it's Sabbath. I'm not even going to think about work. And we don't think about work till six o'clock the next night. And we keep reminding ourselves as we're learning to do this this year, it's Sabbath. Let's not talk about that. It's Sabbath. Let's, let's not look at that. It's Sabbath. Let's not think about that. Let's just think about us and God and gratefulness. I guarantee if you do this, and it, it, we slip up all the time as we're learning to do it, if you start to do this, you may just find your soul has a reset and learns to rest in God. Once again, Sabbath is so powerful. It's an anchor line that God has put in place that will lead you back to the right thing in him. So your sight, your perspective is an anchor line to God. Sabbath 
is an ankle line, a very basic, easy to do one that many people object to. But I challenge you to try and work out how you could do it in your home with your family and start to just go, oh, I want to hear the sound of my own soul and live in the moment again because I'm just hankering too much, too busy, too worried, too stressed. And here's the last one. The last anchor line to God is our absolute and total surrender to him. Remember, whatever we're going through this year, no matter how crazy it gets, no matter where the government lead, and, and uh, you know, I, I think we're, we are in an unusual season. In March, when I first prophesied about coronavirus. I put a word out as soon as we went into lockdown. Uh, and, and I talked about what I felt God was saying about the virus. You'll find it on my on my blog at jarrocooper.net. And, and then uh, uh, partway through this one phrase that I thought that's a particularly important phrase is going to come back. And it was just this phrase that we will come to a place where people go, what was that all about? And we are coming into the, what was that all about season of the virus? What's the truth? What's information? Where, how do we find our way out of this? And people are, you know, well, you can see there's marching on the streets and all kinds of things going on right now. But listen, you can be at peace in the middle of the storm, knowing that you are not in a government's hands. You are not in the hands of an employer. You are in God's hands. Total surrender. My days are in his hands. My destiny in, is in his hands. Nothing is going to surprise God. He's already in my tomorrows. He's in my, he's in my yesterdays, my todays, and my tomorrows caring for me. He has no plans to harm me. He'll bring me through. In the fire, the chains and the ropes will simply snap off. In a lion's den, he'll shut the mouths of lions. He's my God. I'm the apple of his eye. He cares for me. Total surrender to the love of God. Realizing, God, I, I trust you. So easy to get away from trust, isn't it? Just trust. Don't even hype it up to a faith, which might seem like it, you know, Americanized blab it, grab it type faith. No, no, no. Just, just downgrade that for a minute. Just quietly trust God with your todays and your tomorrows. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't let the world stuff get under your skin. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will give you an anchor line through the blizzard. He will make your way straight is what it says. Let's keep trusting. Let's keep looking at him, focused on his word, on intimacy with him. And I challenge you, the one practical, really practical, right in the middle, why not begin to think about Sabbath? If you want to uh, investigate further, I'll, I'll post something after this, some free podcasts by some great guys that I've been listening to. Then I've gone and read their books. There's some really powerful stuff coming out. How do we get out of the hustle and the hurry and the blizzard of the world that we're living in? One of the things is to learn to practice Sabbath again. We may just find it revolutionizes our Christianity. Is that all right? Well, I hope you got something from today. Surrender totally to his hands. You are safe in the hands of God. Let's rest in him. He'll bring us through. And like I say, I've got a feeling if we looked into the eyes of Jesus right now, he'd have a little wink and he'd just go, don't worry, this will be over soon. There's some fun stuff about to take off. Let's trust God.